0: Hello and welcome to Being Boss, episode number 61, brought to you by FreshBooks Cloud Accounting.
1: All right, today we are talking to our friend, Jason Harrison of Present Tense Fitness. Jason is a personal trainer and lifestyle coach, um, and I've been following him on social media for a long time. I'm so glad to have him on the show. Emily, you're working with Jason, right?
0: I am working with Jason. Um, First, Jason worked with me. So Jason, um, I met Jason whenever he joined one of my group coaching programs about a little over a year ago. And so I worked with him for six months, just helping him um, just with some business visioning fun stuff. And then, um, I don't know, a couple months ago, I got in touch with him because then I wanted to hire him to help make me
1: fantastic as well. Get your business together. Get yourself into what you do and see it through. Being boss is hard. Blending work
0: and life is messy. Making a dream job of your own isn't easy.
1: But getting paid for it, becoming known for it, and finding purpose in it is so doable. If you do the work. Being boss is a podcast for creative entrepreneurs brought to you by Emily Thompson and Kathleen Shannon. Check out our archives at lovebeingboss.com. Okay, so today we're talking to Jason from Present Tense Fitness, and the other day I was hanging out with my trainer and I overheard him say that what you can't measure, you can't improve. And I thought that that was so interesting. And in today's episode, we're talking a lot about how fitness relates to creative entrepreneurship and I I like this idea of measuring and improving. And my first year of business, I used FreshBooks to really measure my income and my expenses. You can track your time with it now. It is just such a great tool for measuring the metrics of your dollars in your business. FreshBooks is the easy to use invoicing software designed exclusively for creative entrepreneurs Try FreshBooks for free today by going to freshbooks.com/beingboss and enter "being boss" in the "How did you hear about us?" section. Jason, thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, it's kind of cool to be talking to both of you because I've been following both of you for a while, and you've had a big impact on Present Tense Fitness. So this is very cool.
1: Nice.
0: Glad to hear that. <laughs>
1: So I'm kind of a fitness nerd. It's definitely my hobby whenever it comes to the things I do outside of work and outside of being a creative entrepreneur. And I've been thinking a lot lately about the fitness and entrepreneur kind of not parallel, but the connection between the two. So I want to dive into that, but first I want to hear all about your own. So here's the cool thing about this episode is that one, you're a creative entrepreneur yourself. So I want to hear your journey and being a creative entrepreneur in the fin- fitness industry and what that's looked like for you. But then I also want to talk about that link between fitness and health and being a better uh, boss for it. So, Let's start with your journey. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today.
2: Um, you know, with a question like this, it's always a question about where I start, you know, cuz you don't want to be the guy who says, it all started when I was 4. But, <laughs> but it kind you start of Start wherever you want. Okay. Um, my first job out of college, I was a I was an analyst at the at the Central Intelligence Agency um and so i did political and leadership analysis on um, conflict areas northern ireland the balkans etc um and i got sort of tired of that and it didn't it wasn't quite the right fit with my personality and interests and so Left Washington D.C., moved back to my hometown in Dayton, Ohio, and helped start. Okay, a wait. I'm gonna stop. Okay. You right okay. okay. Yeah. Let's <laughs> let's, let's, let's <laughs> stop. Kathleen
0: really wants to talk about this. First, <laughs> yeah. Can you tell people that you worked for the CIA? Like, do we need to cut that
2: out? <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't need to cut it out. Um, I was an overt employee, and what I did wasn't sexy. I did a lot of reading and writing, um, and so yeah, I was I was less James Bond and more kind of like. Like the nerds that you see in the background of CIA movies. Like, that was, <laughs> that, that, I was one of those guys.
1: <laughs> nice. But were you like the coolest looking nerd there? Because you look like you could be a Navy
2: SEAL or like a James Bond. Well, I appreciate that. Um, of the cubicle dwellers, I was probably, yeah, I was probably among the cooler cubicle dwellers. I'll, yeah. I'll cop to that. <laughs> I'll cop to that. <laughs>
1: okay. So then you move back to Dayton.
2: Moved back to Dayton and um, helped start – a along with my wife and some other um, people who were uh, educators, we helped start a, a school here in Dayton called the Dayton Early College Academy, which is still, um, still up and running and a great resource for Dayton. But we weren't teachers, and we were kind of like – we were kind of – so – The thing you'll recognize starting here at this point when I left the CIA is like this kind of like searching both geographically because we moved around a lot and just like searching for like who I am professionally. Um, Left teaching after a couple years and moved to New York and we moved we moved to New York without jobs. We just wanted to be in New York because it felt like us. And, um, I started writing and distributing and by distributing, I mean, handing to people like bum rushing guys like Ed Burns outside of movie theaters and like handing <coughs> him scripts. So I I, would, uh-huh. I I was trying to be a screenwriter. So I was in New York for four years, LA for a year writing screenplays that mostly had no chance of ever getting made. Um, and that's when I started personal training was in New York. Um, and so, my journey into being a fitness entrepreneur started, um, you know, fitness was like a means to an end. It was always a means to another end. So at that time it was screenwriting. And then we moved back to Washington DC at some point And I thought I'm going to be a journalist. And so like I, I managed to get something published in the Washington post at some point. And, but it wasn't really, it still wasn't really me. And so here's the searching, the searching, the searching, and all. And, and I continued my personal training career in Washington.
1: Wait, so were you working out this whole time? Like, were you working out while you were in the CIA? Were you working out in college? Like, at what point were you personally doing fitness for yourself?
2: The whole time. I mean, I was a kid who did, I was a really skinny kid, and so I was doing, like, push-ups and sit-ups in my bedroom, like, at night. Like, I've. It, it's always been a part of me. Um But I never, I've always been, so because I've always been a skinny kid, I never like lifted heavy weights or anything like that or really, the gym was intimidating to me. Um, Even though I was active and fit, you know, like I would see the gym, I would see the big strong guys like doing like deadlifts and I was just like, I can't do that. So I'm just going to do like whatever it is that I'm doing over here. And that was me for many, many years. I mean, until relatively recently, I didn't do like the main barbell lifts, back squats, front squats, deadlifts. Um, And then in Washington, D.C., that stuff started to creep in a little bit. And so the transition point for me was around 2014. I knew I wasn't going to be a journalist. Um, and my wife, Susan, actually, we had a conversation. I did like a year of teaching in in D.C. public schools. Um, and, you know, it was kind of like trying to go back to like, well, this is a job that people respect and like people know what a teacher is and maybe I'll try that. But it was just disastrous. It wasn't me, especially now in public education. Um, you know, I taught in a socioeconomically underprivileged a neighborhood and the whole thing around that these days is compliance so like literally I worked in a school where we made these kids walk from class to class in straight lines and just the optics of it drove me crazy like I'm not yelling at a group of black kids for not standing in line like we used to do that at another time and it wasn't cool then either so like I, you know so I I, I left I I knew I was going to leave education. And, and so that's, that's around the time that the idea for Present Tense Fitness came about. And I was, at that time, I was like, maybe I can learn, like, coding. Maybe I can learn, like, Salesforce. Maybe I, you know, I was just searching for something. And Susan, my wife, said, you know, why don't you just do, like, what you do? <laughs> Which is, like... <laughs> Which is you you know, fitness is a is your thing. You're you've gotten really good at it. Um, you're good at helping people, you're good at coaching people. And so that the and and so I should I should rewind a little bit to when we were living in Los Angeles, um, Susan found you, Kathleen, and she was reading a lot of stuff, like just about design and she was a huge fan of your of the stuff that you put online and so that's when you and later Emily kind of like came into our orbit. And so when she started talking about like me just kind of fusing who I am with what I do professionally, that was really kind of like an outgrowth of the reading she had done with both of you. And so, yeah, no, that's the, that's the truth. Um, and so that's when present tense fitness was born and it started off just kind of like as a blog and like personal training in a, in a gym in DC. Um, but it wasn't until I mean that's relatively recently, 2014-2015, where I really started taking this profession seriously. Um, and so and once that happened, that's you know, I've it's the success that I've had, you know, both professionally and with my clients, more importantly, has skyrocketed. And it was it was basically when I decided like this is who I am and I'm gonna take it seriously. And I'm going to break down the walls between kind of like who I am as a person and my interests as a person and what I do professionally. And so, you know, I do like I'm active on social media and I write like a weekly column for a, a local Dayton, Ohio website. And the, the stuff when they approached me to write for that site, I'm sure they were they were thinking like five tips for sexy abs or, you know, like, that kind of thing. <laughs> And like I write about like loving your body and, you know, just kind of like, you know, listening to good music. And if you're going to drink, drinking well, it's like, it's totally, it's totally me. And, um, and people have really gravitated toward that message. And so I feel like as long as I keep the eyes on that prize of just, of just living authenticity and kind of like breathing that into the business, then, then I do well, and and obviously the other part of that is, I've said from the beginning that I want present tense fitness to be about results for my clients, um, because strangely enough, the fitness industry is not predicated on that idea. I mean, people, you know, there's you see diff- different statistics, but thirty percent of people I've read who have a gym membership ever step foot in the gym. So that business model is not based on people actually changing their bodies, right? And so I've the the, the low hanging fruit for me is just saying like I'm not going to be involved in anything that doesn't actually help people change. And so you know there's no and and be, and by doing that, um, I can I can sleep well at night <laughs> knowing that I'm not just taking money from people, and I don't have to do the things that I used to hate like working for other people. Like I I used to work in this gym in L.A. And every – I had a, like a monthly meeting with my manager. And every month we would have the same conversation. We would sit down and he would go through like how many sessions I did. And then he would get to like the supplements. We were supposed to sell supplements of dubious, mm. you know, efficacy. And uh, he would say, so it looks like you've sold um, – oh, it looks like $0 in supplements this month. Because <laughs> I just refused. Like I I just feel like my when somebody comes to you and they say, help me – and they trust you with their body. That's like a pretty I don't know, sacred is not the right word, but it's a pretty it's a pretty big deal. And so, I'm not going to mess with that by selling people stuff that they don't need or that I don't know works. So, that is a very long answer to your question. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I want to start geeking out on supplements, but first Okay. Let's talk a little bit about your business model now. So like, what do you do and talk a little bit more about kind of that success, that skyrocketing, um, literally like, what were you doing?
2: Um, there's a very, there's a specific client that kind of turned the light bulb on for me. Um, and she was a personal training client that I had in DC, um, State Department officer and she came to me and I thought for the first four months that I worked with her that she hated me. (laughs) Um, I was just like, I remember telling Susan like, ah, this person, like I I don't, it's it's not clicking. Like I don't think they like me, but they showed up like every single time. They never, they never missed sessions. They were like a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 6 a.m. And what she hated was not me, but she hated the gym. And she started to see results, started to get stronger, started to kind of like that, that kind of facade of stoicism started to break down. And I started to see more and more of her her personality. And so I just started asking questions like, why, basically, why do you keep coming? (laughs) And she said, look, what, you know, when I first started coming, my hatred of the gym was at a 10. And she said, that was like for the first like three months. And you just kept showing up and you were so positive and encouraging. And so that hatred moved from like a 10 to like a six and it kind of settled into like a four or five. Like she's not, she's not somebody who loves the gym now and I'm still in touch with her. Um, but, but just showing up and being professional and actually like showing, displaying authentic empathy Um, the, that, and so that, those are the things that helped her succeed. And that turned the light bulb on for me that, you know, early in my personal training career, if somebody wasn't changing, I thought, well, you must lift more or work harder or run faster or jump onto this higher box and you must be eating terribly. And so follow this meal plan. And what working with that client showed me was like, no, people just want, they just want to work with somebody who's not going to judge them and who's going to show up for them every time, and who's going to be, who's going to have empathy for them. And so from then on, I started mindfully kind of infusing that into my personal training business. And then later, I actually separated the personal training from the actual coaching part. So my business model now is I work with people one-on-one as a personal trainer. um, But then they also have the option of doing what I call lifestyle coaching. So they, let's say they train with me two days a week, and it's just like basic barbell, dumbbell, kettlebell training. And then one day a week we meet and just talk about like what's going on. And, I, and that part of the business is, like, is the troubleshooting part. So it's like, you know, the great example is often people say, like, I want to eat better. And so, um, you know, they'll like, I went through the drive through on Thursday and ate McDonald's or something like that. And I'll say, okay, well, what, you know, what went wrong? And they're just, ah, I just, I'm just lazy. And, you know, they beat themselves up and I like, ah, let's back up a little bit. And what I helped them realize is that the, the drive through run didn't happen, you know, after work on Thursday, it happened when they skipped their grocery store run on Tuesday, and so i just help people troubleshoot stuff like that and it's it's not rocket science it's not like super complicated or sophisticated but you know and having worked with both therapists before and coaches before sometimes it just takes talking to a, a an objective person um, and like it, often, what happens is I'm talking to a client, and I'll ask them a question, and as they're answering my question, they realize something themselves, like, "Oh, oh yeah, I, I didn't go to the grocery store on Tuesday." Like I don't even have to like point it out; they just talking through it, um, you know. And that's those are conversations I used to try to fit in between sets. So like people would do like a set of back squats, and then it'd be like, "All right, so what'd you eat yesterday?" And it's rushed and it's not focused. And so, separating that coaching part of the business away from um, the personal training, and just having a space, whether you know over the phone or Skype or whatever, um, where we can just like settle into talking and thinking and troubleshooting. Um, so that's the business model: is personal training and then the lifestyle coaching.
0: Well, okay. So I want to talk about your next big move, though, because you've been you've been doing your personal training like at other gyms and things and you've just sort of come to a head at that. So talk about that because that's like a big move that I know about and I want you to say it out loud.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so... I think
1: I saw this on Instagram
0: too.
2: Yeah, so the next (laughs) big move is uh, opening a brick and mortar present tense fitness personal training studio in downtown Dayton. Um, And, you know, I'm at the point where... I went, to a, I went to a conference last year and uh, listened to a guy talk about like, the business of personal training. And like many conferences, there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of fluff, but then there's like, those two or three nuggets that you take with you. And the one nugget that I took with me is he said, you know, you shouldn't start your own gym until not having your own gym is costing you money. And that's exactly where I am now. Um, you know, I have good deals with local places that let me train my people for a a very nice hourly rate. But even at that, that great deal, that hourly rate, I'm paying more for those hourly rates than I would be in a lease in my own space. Number one, number two, these other spaces aren't present tense fitness. (laughs) And so, you know, there is a, there's an aesthetic, there is a, um, there's a feeling that I want my space to have. Like I, the, like kind of the social media presence and my writing presence, I think they send a certain message and I want the physical space where people come and work with me to, to line up with that message. And so it just, it's at the point now where it's, it's necessary. And it's, it's like now that, that we've put this into motion it's killing me every single day not to have it yet. And it's just, you know, we're going through the bureaucracy of of opening a space in the city and like architects and, you know, building permits and all that stuff. So it's taking a while, but um
1: and I wanna I wanna paint a picture here real quick because I follow you on Instagram at Present Tense Fitness and you posted a photo a day ago, actually, um, of a old building. It looks historical. It's all boarded up. So maybe a little even dilapidated or like it hasn't had anything in it for a while, but I loved your description and I'm going to go ahead and read it for our listeners. Um, you said the most annoying question I have to answer about our plans for a downtown training studio is why downtown? There are some implicit biases nestled in a question like that for which I have little patience. I want diversity. I want texture I want to be a part of something interesting and vital. I want to support the other small business owners who believe in the city called Dayton. Why downtown? Because we wouldn't, we couldn't have it any other way. Everyone is welcome in the present tense fitness galaxy, inclusive, inclusivity, diversity, and cultural texture. That's what we've always stood for. And that's why downtown. So I loved how you wrote that. I love how much, love you have for the place where you live. This is something I think about a lot being from Oklahoma City. I think it surprises people all the time. But for me, that's where there's not a lot of diversity. I'll have to be honest. That's what's (laughs) lacking here. But there is a certain texture that I get here and a certain amount of like support from other small businesses. So i want to talk a little bit about that because going from um, you know, leasing out other spaces, to having your own space to realizing that that space is a part of your brand and that diversity and inclusivity is a part of your brand is huge. So I'd love to hear more about that, too.
2: Yeah, I mean, for for your listeners, I am a I am a black man and I grew up in a sort of post-industrial Midwestern city. That is still in a lot of ways deeply segregated. Um, but I have, you know, in my own family background, I have I have you know, my grand my maternal grandmother was a German woman who survived World War II, you know, stole horses as they fled the Russians, um, uh, fell in love with a black GI um who was occupying, you know, defeated Germany, moved here. Um so kind of like diversity and and texture and and kind of like understanding other points of view has has that's just been a part of who i am from the beginning and you know i grew up in ohio i felt like an alien like i really felt like and I, you know a lot of people feel that way growing up like you feel like nobody understands you or whatever but it wasn't until i moved away and lived in a in a few different cities and traveled internationally that i that i realized like i am not I am not a weirdo. My people are out there. And so when we moved back to Dayton um, in April and, you know, we started thinking about having our own space, like, I know there are others like me in this city. And um, there's a a local coffee shop where I'm a regular. I'm there every day, sometimes multiple times a day. And those people are there, (laughs) you know, and so – Here's a small business that's planted its flag in downtown Dayton. And there are other small businesses who've done the same. And I want to be a part of that movement to say, like, you know, diversity is good. And and not just, you know, ethnic and racial diversity, but people of different, you know, sexual orientations, people who different tastes, people who, you know, people of different shapes and sizes. And that kind of inclusivity is what, you know, present tense fitness that's what it's always stood for to me. My first blog post when we announced Present Tense Fitness, it was a picture of me and the band The Black Crows, because they were my favorite band growing up. They're still my favorite band. Um, and it was one of those things where it was like a meet and greet before a concert, before the band broke up, um, sadly. And I showed my mom the picture. And its you have to picture, like, these guys look like kind of 60s, 70s rockers with big beards and long hair and like... <laughs> And when I showed my mom the picture, she said, you look like you fit right in with those guys. And it was the biggest compliment my mom, I think, had ever paid to me. And that kind of like, you know, the phrasing I used in that Instagram post, the present tense fitness galaxy is just kind of how I think about it. It's just like, you know, any, anybody anybody's welcome. You never, never been inside a gym before? Come on in. Got picked on in middle school because you were chubby or whatever? come on in, you know, that's, that's what present tense fitness is. And that is, I think what is lacking in in a lot of ways in the fitness industry. And one of the spaces I wanted to help fill, if you look at fitness stuff online and like a lot of the blogs out there and like social media, it's fitness people talking to each other. So, and, and that, that is, you know, if you're like a, a college strength and conditioning coach, you know, reading about, um, you know, velocity and vectors and like the physics and mechanics of a clean and jerk, Matt, like you should know those things. But if you're like a mother of two and you have a commute and like a mortgage, you probably just kind of want to know some basic stuff that you can do, you can get done. And so that's, those are the people I try to communicate to. And it's like, it's honestly like less, it's less sexy to talk to new people like, you know, people who've never, it's, it's cool to like, you know, put on your Instagram, like this is my client, like Brandon, and he's got 6% body fat. And right. I don't know why, like what I, I, I just slip into that voice. That's my like, <laughs> that's my like.
0: <laughs> I noticed that I was going to ask if you had to leave right. alone. I don't, yeah, I don't know.
2: That's my like trainer guy voice. Um, But it's like, I get turned on by like helping, you know, like a dad who's a lawyer and he's got like, 45-minute commute, and he, you know, he's just trying to figure it out, and so I just try to show people like that basic things that they can do to feel better and look better and move better and... Um, I don't know. that You asked a question about downtown, and I ended up with like... <laughs> well,
1: what I want to jump in and say, because it's still I'm still seeing so many parallels between getting in shape and then starting a business even, and um, whenever you said it's not sexy, there's a lot about starting a business that isn't sexy either, and it's about putting one foot in front of the other, and I think that there is this trend out there where everyone is trying to take every single e-course they can, and they're... They're all about the, I went from bankrupt to six figures in a year, and people are searching for the same thing whenever it comes to fitness. Like these quick fixes, the sure thing, and really it's about putting one foot in front of the other, literally, or tying up your laces and getting out the door.
0: Well, and I, I think another huge parallel I want to draw here, because this is one of my favorite things about Jason, is is how he works in this troubleshooting into everything that he does. So I've been doing the lifestyle coaching, which has literally been everything from like, getting my ass in the gym to like sitting right in my computer chair that how are you you
2: sitting right now by the way my leg is down (laughs) (laughs) thing
0: I thought about that about 10 minutes ago because I was sitting with both legs in and I put it down because I know I'm supposed to have it down um so this idea of troubleshooting and that like if something's not working you talk it out and you figure out why it's not working and what you can do to make it work. And I think that – I mean it's it's a quality in Jason that I've really enjoyed like learning from um, because it has. It's helped me like – I filled up my my water thing yesterday and drank a shit ton of water so high five
2: there you go high five so,
0: so like I mean just fun things like that but it also is a clear parallel to just sort of running a business and, um, and just making things work because none of us come into this like Jason you were a great example of this like you worked in the CIA and thought you were going to be a screenwriter and like all of these things like you don't have an MBA um, I don't Kathleen doesn't we go into this with this idea of troubleshooting shooting. And I think that's that's such an important quality to have if you want to be successful in anything because you're not going to get it right out the gate. Um, You have to try things and if they don't work, you troubleshoot it and you try something else until you get it to work. And that's either going to give you like some killer guns or it's going to give you a social media marketing strategy that works. I think it's just... um, I think that's such an important thing to instill in people, and that's definitely one of the things that I've taken from you. Um, and not just in terms of business, because I think I'd kind of gotten that down pat. But knowing that you can take that same uh, those same ideas and apply them to every other part of your life um, is super huge.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I first of all, I'm glad that you've appreciated that. I mean that that troubleshooting, that analysis is. Like you said, you, you apply it to every part of your life, and the conversations I have with clients often veer into, you know, weird areas that have nothing to do with with a barbell, um, because it's all so connected. And that's again something I, the seeds of that I think were planted with kind of like reading both of your work, um, and you know, if if so, in a fitness context, if somebody is not sleeping well then then it's harder for them to make good decisions around nutrition and then it's harder for them to work out well in the gym and then they feel bad about themselves which sometimes can make it harder for them to sleep it's all connected you know by by a rope and so you know the 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 analysis then needs to fi- you know that you you figure out where the where the point is that we need to fix and we get in there and we fix it and there's no shame around how I mean, that's one of the things both, I think, in, in terms of, um, you know, being somewhat of a creative person myself and um, working with a lot of creative people, um, a lot, we, there's a lot of shame a lot of times around what the trouble point is. Um, and so we're like, oh, that it couldn't be that. Like, it's, no, that's silly. That's a stupid idea. And the, the example, Emily knows this, um, that I, that I, I think about a lot, is my own consumption of water. I had this water bottle that I loved for many years and I drank it. I would fill it in the morning and drink it all day. And then at some point it it broke, I think during our move to Ohio. And then once it broke, I had trouble consuming enough water and I was always dehydrated and feeling, you know, my workouts weren't great. And I knew it was because I didn't have this water bottle, but I thought it was so stupid. I thought like, well, surely you're, I'm a grown ass man of almost 40 years. <laughs> I can figure out how to drink water without like that water bottle. <laughs> and then it was after actually a coaching session with Emily, um, where we, we talked about Emily's water consumption. And I was like, you know, damn it, just order another water bottle. <laughs> and so I did. And then, and lo and behold, I'm drinking enough water again. And so, you know, just not having shame around what the reasons are for stuff. Um, and the more people I talk to, the more I realize, and that that's one great thing about this job is is I talk to so many people and I hear so many of their issues. And it's really kind of like It's really helped me see, you know, even as somebody who loves and and craves diversity as much as I do, just how many unifying factors there are in the human existence and how
0: Amen.
2: Yeah, I mean how many of us are dealing with the same things. And so often if you feel like something is silly or stupid, you could throw a rock and hit another person who's dealing with the same exact thing, but we spend, we waste this energy feeling shame about it. So, um, yeah, I mean, so the connection between kind of fitness and creative entrepreneurship, I think, especially for create, you know, cre- sensitive creatives. Um, is that
0: oh, we are sensitive. Aren't we? <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean,
2: it's, it's that shame factor and just getting, getting rid of that. Um, when I was in New York, I had this great acting coach who talked about like just the finite nature of energy. And he talked about it in the context of like going to an audition. And he was just like, Look, you have an audition at HBO or something. And by the way, I never had an audition at HBO, but that, <laughs> <Time>. was, <laughs> that was the example he always gave, because that's like the pinnacle of like great, you know, acting and writing and stuff. But he was like, if you if your audition is at two. And you're rushing to catch the A train at 1.45 and, and your clothes aren't ready. Like you're wasting all of this energy that you should be infusing into this character that you're going to do for these producers. And so that, you know, that kind of like that idea of finite energy is something that's always stuck with me. Um, and I think that's a point. Like I think anybody listening who's interested in fitness or being their own boss you know, take learn from everything that you've ever done. You know, fitness has nothing to do with acting, ostensibly, but I've always taken that lesson from from that acting coach um, about just the finite nature of energy, and I, I and I use that with my clients. Um, and the connection here is is with shame. Shame is just wasted energy. It's just it's just getting in the way of helping us figure out what the problem is and why you didn't go to to the grocery store on Tuesday as, as planned. So.
1: Hey bosses. Did you have a case of FOMO? That stands for the fear of missing out. When you saw all the being boss magic go down for our being boss vacation in new Orleans.
0: fear are not friends because we are planning another
1: boss vacation this spring in Miami. Miami! <laughs> So it was really hard to figure out what location to go to, but we've never been to Miami. And the reason why we do these boss vacations is to cultivate our creative pack, see different parts of the world, get some face time with each other, connect with each other and live the boss life. So to learn more details about this boss vacation, just go to lovebeingboss.com Miami. We hope to see you there. I want. I kind of want to start talking about fitness a little bit.
0: Do it. Go for it. So, okay. So, I do have to say though, real quick, one of my very favorite things about Jason. And I know that like hiring a personal trainer or someone who's like going a lifestyle coach you like this can be such an intimidating thing. I mean, just Google Jason and look at him. <laughs> it can be kind of. I'll, I'll never forget. Never forget the first time David saw your photo. It was hysterical because most of the guys that we work with are like. Yeah, just sort of these, like, scrawny white dudes who want to be creative entrepreneurs. And then Jason's photo popped up on Skype once, and David was like, there was a moment of hysterical shock. It was
1: great. He's like, you're One talking of- to who about what? I know, what?
0: exactly. He he compared you to, uh shit, some guy on... On some sci fi movie. I'll have to Google incident to you because it's hysterical. Um, but um, one of my favorite things about Jason, though, is that he's so not a meathead. Like, he's like the least intimidating meathead on the planet. I love it. That's one of my favorite things about you. Like, you obviously super smart, very well spoken, like someone who can talk about things, um, which I think is such a huge differentiating factor in the business that you're in so now well, I'll talk it's, about kind of like,
1: it's kind of like finding a web developer that can have a conversation <laughs> right <laughs> right I totally agree <laughs> now we're gonna get in trouble but I actually a lot of the personal trainers I've worked with are all super smart and thoughtful and spend a lot of time thinking about like really just connection more than anything, um, because you are in the business of working with people and working with individuals. Now, don't get me wrong; I've I've seen some pretty terrible personal trainers who are like really just selling pot in the corner. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's true story. Oh, What's so funny is as, as you said that, a couple popped into my head as well. <laughs> I've seen those too.
1: Like I don't even know if that's a thing in the fitness industry, but. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about whenever we were interviewing Ramit Sethi a few episodes back, one of the things he talked about was he would listen to interviews with, uh, CEOs of companies and he was always wanting to know, like, what are they doing? How are they so successful? But always ignoring the part where they start their day by working out. And then he started listening to that and I was like, okay, maybe there's something to this and started working out and has seen more success since and this is something for me fitness is a non-negotiable in my day it is the meeting that i make with myself and that i keep with myself and I recently posted a photo on Instagram of my abs, and I was like, I'm not joking around here, people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's when there were people are like, whoa, wait, whoa, you really are doing this fitness thing. So that's one thing is like, I feel like it's the sexy stuff that gets the attention, but there is so much to be said for getting up and doing the work and the parallels between that and being a creative entrepreneur. But whenever it comes to like actual fitness and being successful in fitness and being successful in life... Like, have you noticed any patterns there that you can touch on being a personal trainer? Because I feel like it's only the four percent of my day that I'm seeing for myself. I don't get to see it as like broad spectrum as you do. If yeah, that makes sense.
2: No, it does um, for sure. There is a. I mean, at a very basic level, the short answer to your question is people feel better when they're active. And when you feel better, you think better, and you work better, and you're nicer to your colleagues, and you're more able to brainstorm and come up with creative ideas. Um, I know that. So one of the one of the most difficult things that I I try to overcome in this industry, and I, it's it's always hard for me to explain this, but it's hard to get people to to understand that they don't feel as good as they could feel, but that's like a counterfactual, right? Like it's like, if I, if I show you a, if I, if you drive like a, you know, a nice conservative coupe and I show you a, um, a Lamborghini, it's pretty obvious, like what the benefits of that Lamborghini are. Like it looks hot, it's fast. It's like, you know, well-tuned Italian engineering, but if I tell you that if you do two to three days a week of strength training with progressive overload and smart programming that you will feel better, people don't really know what that means because they're they're used to dealing with like that nagging back pain. They just think that's a, a part of life. Um, and the people that do sign on and do work you know as you do um, work out and, and and take fitness seriously, the difference it's just palpable there. There I've seen people change before my eyes, like where, like the client I talked about in DC was a different person. I mean, a year after I was working with her and that's, and, and I'm not taking credit for that. It's, it's, she's the one who showed up every day and put the work in and put the work in outside of the gym. Um, and she revealed like a different personality. Um, and i can only imagine and i've had people just the feedback i get is as people get stronger and they feel that sense of self-efficacy it has a force multiplier effect across their entire lives they're better lovers they're better partners they're better coworkers um and that all starts with the pursuit of strength so i i i totally i'm with you on that like i i think anybody who wants to I mean, if you think about the things that we pay the most attention to and where we prioritize our time and energy, we, uh, if you, you know, the typical person that I see, they, the way they schedule their time is they have all the, the professional responsibilities or like work responsibilities and then, and then, oh yeah, I should grab something for dinner and uh, yeah, I guess, well, let me, let me scroll through Facebook for a while and then like maybe they fall into bed. And what that should look like is, if, you're, if you think of a calendar, is blocking off seven to eight hours of sleep every night. So those hours are gone. That's non-negotiable. Then you block off like, okay, how am I going to feed myself? <laughs> like, how will I take get food and put it into my face? Um, and that's, that, that time should be non-negotiable. Actually preparing the food for you and your family. Um, and then how will I move well? And then with the time that remains, that's when you work. That's when you do the other stuff. But we do the exact opposite of that, um, and it's hard. We're all so insecure about time. Like, oh, if I if I just had more time, I can't, I don't have time to cook, or I don't have time to to go to the gym. I, you know, I am busy at work. I, I can't. I can only get five hours of sleep, and it's a it's a fiction that we tell ourselves when. In actuality, if we slept well and ate well and moved well, we would do all the other stuff in our lives so much better. And I've seen it time and time and time again.
1: I want to talk a little bit about time because I think it is an interesting dimension to play with <laughs> or an interest, like because you can truly stretch it and shorten it and bend it. I mean, if you start thinking about time right now, think about how fast some hours fly by And how slowly some minutes creep by. Like it's not, is it, I mean, is time even a real thing? We could, I feel like I've been smoking some (laughs) We're going in a very
0: different direction (laughs) now, guys.
1: But what I'm trying to say is with blocking all of those things out, don't even think about you're putting yourself in debt with time. You know, because I think that whenever you approach it that way, really what you're doing is investing. So it's really like an investing mindset versus a going into debt mindset. Um, You're not going into debt by putting money into a 401k. You are investing it. And I think that that's the same thing with sleep, food, and working out, which are definitely my priorities in life. Um,
2: Yeah, and I think that's a perfect analogy because, you know... um, Saving for retirement or putting or putting money away, that also it, it tends to be this kind of thing that is off into the future, and it's almost like you have to play, you have to run a counterfactual in your head to, okay, I'm 65, do I want to be, you know, what do I want that to look like? And it, it's just it's so far off, um and it can feel like exactly it's, exa- it's a great point, like it can feel like a deficit, like well if I if I take this money and put it into my savings or put it into my 401k, then I don't have money to, you know, pay like a $250 cable bill. Um, And yeah, I mean, that's just a mindset thing.
1: So let's talk about um, your name actually for a minute because it's present tense fitness. And I found that there's, and, and I've seen a study on it where you always think that your future self is going to, be able to eat better and make time to work out and all of these things more so than yourself today and I found the same to be true for creative entrepreneurs saying someday I want to start a business or I will get to that tomorrow because somehow tomorrow I will be more disciplined and I do it myself like I think that we all do this so I wonder how your name fits into that idea and just kind of the idea of just getting started today and what that means for you.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, present tense fitness is. My brother and I have this joke where we like will, like I'll send him a text and I'll say like Yeah, what are you doing today?" and he'll list off like, like half a dozen things, you know, that he's done between six a.m. and seven a.m. Like I volunteered, I worked out, I meditated, <laughs> like all these things that you know. And it's just a joke on the idea that you know we always think that there's some like perfect version of yourself out there that can, that can do all these things. And really it's just about doing what you can in, in digestible chunks today and not like that perfect version of yourself who, you know, reads to elderly people and then like builds homes and then, but it works like a 15 hour day and then works out like, so my, my process, basically, is to discover what people's vision is for what the healthy version of their self would look like. And we talk about that in the present tense. So, you know, I am a fit, handsome man who wears the hell out of a nice suit and eats well and works out, you know, three to four days a week. Like, that would be a wellness vision. And then we take that wellness vision and break that into sort of like medium-term goals Um, and then we take those medium term goals and then we talk about like, all right, so what are some goals over the next seven days that we can, we can address to get you there. And the eye is always on the vision on the big, the very big picture, but it's like, what can I do today? And that what I can do today, depending on where somebody is, I've coached people where I've said, just, just put your gym clothes together, um, buy your gym bag and set it by the door. The goal isn't, I mean, obviously the goal eventually is to get that person to go to the gym. But we're just, this is the small, this is a digestible chunk. And what that does is it gives them a chance for victory. um, And it makes it kind of like doable. Because when people people spend a lot of time looking at, you know, other fit people and they think like, oh my God, I could never do that. But like, okay, but, you know, let's not talk about them. Let's just talk, can you put your gym clothes together? Buy your shoes by the door. can you do that? Yeah, I think I can do that. Then they do that, and it's like, okay, well, next week, can you can you put the gym clothes on? <laughs> you know, it can be like very small steps like that. Um, and so it's in this process, like I said earlier, like it's not super sophisticated. It's just taking big ideas and breaking them into, into digestible chunks. Now that you can, you can be too easy on yourself too. So like that person, you know, they can just like set their gym clothes out for the next year, but you have to hold yourself accountable for actually making progress. Um, And there's an analogy between the process of, you know, change and getting stronger. So a lot of times what you'll see in the gym is people go into the gym and you know almost like a ritual they put the same weight on the bar every single time and they do the same exact thing every single time but your body's not going to change your your body adapts to stimuli so you have to add some weight to the bar you know not a lot of weight but if you're lifting 5 more pounds next week than you were this week and so on and so on then your body's response to that is like, holy shit, like we need more muscle tissue. We need denser bone. Like we need to make changes in order to adapt to the, this new stimulus. Um, and so the, you know, the same is true of, of making change. Like you, you, yes, you have to make those 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 goals digestible, but you also have to hold yourself accountable or find somebody else to help you hold, help hold you accountable for making that incremental progress. Um, I don't even remember what the question is. Like you just—you're just gonna <laughs> have to cut okay. me off. Just this give me like.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is the world that we live in. We just start talking, and sometimes it makes no sense. No, but that does make a lot of sense. Um, I also think that it's really interesting that muscle is not growing during your workout, right? Like your muscle is being broken down. Your muscle is growing in the rest. And I think that that's really important for creative entrepreneurs because so often we feel like if we just push, 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 we can work harder and we can be more successful. Um, But then you never give yourself a chance to rest and rebuild and recover and you end up like overtraining yourself, right? So it's the same in fitness and in working. You've got to take that downtime to do things that are going to... You know, help you change in the recovery.
2: So you know, you joked about uh, space time earlier, and it makes it it reminded me that I really wasn't joking though. She was not. Uh, Well, we share an obsession with space, and I mean, like I am, I'm obsessed with outer space. But you probably saw in the news in the last seven days, scientists heard for the first time two black holes colliding, and it proved like one of Einstein's theories which is just wild that somebody that long ago just and so the, my point in getting to, getting to this is <laughs> Einstein we think of him as a genius not because he did math better than other people but because he like all of these things that we remember him for were essentially thought experiments like Like space-time, these were thought experiments. What if I were riding on a beam of light as it shot from like one place to another? That was that wasn't math. That was a thought experiment. And so you need time to to sit and think. And you're exactly right about 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 working out. I mean, I went to a lecture at Ball State a few months back, and this guy was talking about um, he does he does research like at the cellular level of muscles. And they looked at um, swimmers, I think it was swimmers and runners. And they were, they were specifically looking at the muscles that get taxed the most. For, for swimmers, it was a lot of like shoulder girdle stuff. And then for the runners, it was one of the muscle tissues in their legs. And what they found is that on their rest days, the and these are college students, the swimmers actually were able to recover better than the runners, can you guess why?
1: No. <laughs>
2: <laughs> because the, the, the swimmers didn't have to use their shoulders walking from class to class, but the runners still had to walk. So the, the, the point he was making is, is about rest. And the difference between really high-level athletes and the rest of us is that a really high-level athlete When they're not working out or practicing or, you know, doing a game, they are straight up chilling. They are resting, rested, like to the point where you, at the cellular level, you can see the difference between somebody who has to use their competitive body parts to still walk around from class. They're not going to be as rested as the, as the, as the swimmer, um, because they don't have to swim to class. Um, and so that point about rest and recovery is, is absolutely, um, applicable to kind of the creative process, um, but also the process within the gym. I mean, I I have to make it a point to kind of just like go to the coffee shop and sit and just like sip on a coffee and just like let stuff come to me. Um, There's a reason I think that you hear so many people talk about they get their best ideas in the shower it's because you're naked and warm and comfortable, and your body is just kind of like your mind finds those things that are deep in there that 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 come out um, but we're so we're also afraid and we're also insecure that it's like I have to push through like I have to grind it out <laughs> and sometimes the idea the the real recipe is just rest. The strongest people I know um they talk so much more about rest and recovery than like than like the bros you see at the gym like the there's this guy there's this guy who runs this um this guy chad Wesley smith who's like a he's like a nine hundred pound deadlifter like he and I don't even occupy the same universe like he is at a <laughs> level of like strength and performance that i like i'm not even but he, he talks about like what he eats and he talks about rest and he talks about like, you know, he's a competitive power lifter. And he says, you know, people waste their, their time in the gym, always going for personal records. He's like, I don't set personal records, you know, and during practice, I set those on the, you know, when it's go time. And, you know, I think, I think there's a lesson to be learned there. Like, you're not going to, it's about consistency and smart work. It's about hard work too, but if you're not resting and you're not, you know, to bring it back to a creative entrepreneur, if you're not thinking deeply, then you're just kind of like bopping around with the rest. I mean, I assume that most creatives are doing what they do because they want to they wanna make a, a unique contribution to the world. And those unique contributions don't come from the grind. They come from like inspiration and sitting and just like, you know, letting their mind do the great work that it can do.
1: But on the flip side, sometimes I do think that, well, this is something I was going to talk about earlier. One of my own personal struggles whenever it comes to fitness is knowing when to. When to give myself grace and probably really even being a creative entrepreneur, when to give myself grace and when to recognize that I'm using that as an excuse to be lazy. And for me, it's a really fine line to balance, truly. Um, So sometimes it really is. I admitted to Emily the other day that I was having a really hard time just getting my shit together. And she was like, dude, you just need to write down three things on a post-it note, get out of Asana and just do it. And I was like, oh, it makes it so much more manageable, right? So there is like this sustainability factor. And sometimes there's a, the just putting on your shoes and going through the motions. So yesterday morning, I did not feel like working out at all. But I was accountable because it was in my calendar and because I work out with enough people now that they would notice if I was gone. And um, I went to the gym anyway. Was it the best workout of my life? No. But it was one little step at a time. And I did um, give parts of it my all. So I think that there is a little bit of this like hustle and then rest and then hustle and, and recognizing when you're being kind to yourself and whenever you're kind of making excuses.
2: I think that's a good point. And I think that's in the fitness context, that's where having a plan comes in. And so, you know, that, you know, to go back to the, like the elite power lifter example, they don't, they don't go into the gym and just like pick up weight and start moving it. They have a plan. So today I'm at 85% of my one rep max on the deadlift and I'm doing it this many times. And that time on the calendar comes whether you like it or not, you know? Um, And so I I think, I think having a plan and having benchmarks, uh, you know, can help, um, avoid some of that. Like I'm just being kind to myself when really it's kind of just like a lazy time. <laughs> um, but that's where planning, and that's why I go through with clients like that. That vision, the wellness vision, the three to six months, and then the weekly goals is, um, you know, if people start slipping a little bit, then we can like, all right, okay. So you told me like here, here is your wellness vision. How? Does you know skipping the gym all week this week help you get to that? You know sometimes you do need to be held accountable, but in the fitness context, that's where actually planned rest intervals can be helpful. You know depending on what your level of fitness is. Um, I mean, I have people who. I am thrilled and they are thrilled if they're doing like strength training two days a week. And that's enough because they're so deconditioned to to have a significant change in their body. And the rest of the week, I tell them, just go on walks. Now, the, the more fit you get, um, you know, you, you know, two days a week isn't going to cut it. At the elite level or at the even like an inter- intermediate to elite level, you know, people at those levels do planned – kind of what are called deload weeks where you you back off. Like if you were doing like 85% over your one rep max, you do a week where you back off to like 45, 50%. And it's a planned time to let your joints recover, to let your central nervous system recover. Because that's an aspect of working out that, you know, most people don't think about is there is a central nervous response um, to working out. And you can fry that if you just go like, 90% of one rep max all the time. Um, and so that's where those like plan deload weeks um, matter. Now, in, for the for the business person or the, the entrepreneur, the I think the analogy there would be planned vacation time or planned like during, you know, if you want to go day by day, that's the planned time where you get up out of your chair and you go for a walk outside. Um, so yeah, I agree with you. You can, you know, under the guise of being kind to oneself we can kind of like you know watch a bunch of like law and order reruns (laughs) when we should be doing something else (laughs) not that that's something i would do
0: Um. (laughs) emily here coming at you to talk about managing your schedule One of the hardest things about being boss is how many people can be vying for your attention. From clients and customers to online buddies, real-life friends and family, and more, scheduling time to focus on your work or yourself gets more and more important the more boss you get. Our friends at Acuity Scheduling are here to help you take back your calendar, giving you the functionality you need to easily block out times for focus, and leaving time open for checking in with clients and friends with an easy-to-use interface that matches your actual schedule, with available appointment times making it impossible for your schedule to get hijacked by another meeting. Schedule clients without sacrificing your soul sign up for your free 60-day trial of Scheduling Sanity at acuityscheduling.com slash boss. Now, let's get back at it.
1: Emily? Hello. Say something. <laughs> Say something before we get an email. <laughs> Kathleen's Aww, talking too much.
0: Kathleen talks too much. I just like listening. That's <laughs> a true story. Um, no, I think, I mean... I think that your message about strength and the troubleshooting and just all that you put into what it is that you do is what makes you so good at at getting results from your clients, but also just sort of being a good business person. And I think that there are so many parallels that we can draw between, you know, being physically fit and having a healthy business, um, or being, being a productive and healthy entrepreneur. Um, it's all about hustle, but also pairing that with some really hardcore rest. Um, and if you, I don't know, if you just do what you love and and take care of yourself and, and invest in yourself as well as your business,
1: um, I mean, just success is there and uh, I don't know, spiral into platitudes. But let's go into some like practical fitness things that creatives can start doing right now if they know they need to be taking care of themselves Um, One thing you guys were talking about earlier was water, and I've been slacking there, and it's so funny because it is one of those things where, like, why am I crying today? Why am I so moody? Oh, I'm dehydrated. And it seems so dumb that that could be the reason, but so that's my, my, my advice is everyone should be drinking more water. But Jason, what is some of your advice on how people can get started today with working out or just getting healthier?
2: So the I, I think the first thing I would say is is to focus on sleep, and that is probably the single most important thing somebody can do. So you asked about working out, but
1: um, <laughs> like, what if you have a baby that wakes up six to eight times a night?
2: Yeah, and that's
0: you need and, to get a new baby. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, get, a, <laughs> get rid of the baby. Does anyone yeah. want to adopt but, a baby?
2: <laughs> and honestly, that's that is. Um, So you have to deal with the reality of your actual situation and mothers know in a way that nobody else does, um, that sometimes you're just not going to get enough sleep, but it's, you know, taking the situation that you do have and then maximizing the amount of sleep that you can get. So making sure that you're sleeping in a cool, dark room. So yes, your baby's going to wake up. It's going to be hungry. You're going to have to go, you know, um, deal. Feed, feed the baby, or deal, or do comfort. whatever
1: it is that you do with a yeah. hungry baby. <laughs> yes, right.
2: <laughs> is it, do you just throw meat into the room and close the door?
1: <laughs> throw a pile of bacon at that
2: baby. <laughs> right. Um, I sounded like such a dude there. Like you just you, you feed it and you. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, first of all, it's not an it. It's a, it's a human being. Okay. So. But you maximize the the amount of sleep that you can get. Um, uh, taking it away from, you know, somebody who has a disruptive sleep pattern, mothers, firefighters, uh, shift workers, um, you know, just make sleep a priority. So, you know, and you've – I know you both have heard all the things about turning electronics off an hour before bed. Um, one of the things I coach – I've coached clients through is – coming up with some sort of evening ritual
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, to kind of like set the the mind to, okay, now it's like wind down time. So I had a client um, who was a hard charging um, corporate lawyer and I worked with her to come up with a tea ritual that she did with her with her daughter. And so every evening they would make tea and that was the signal to both of them that it was time to wind the night down. And so – if there are things like that that you can incorporate to help you get more sleep, that's where I would start. And so, connected to that, then um, you do your bedtime ritual. You go to bed. Before you go into your bedroom, fill a big glass of water and put it on your bedside stand. When you wake up in the morning, drink it down. Um, just like you know, it, it's just a way of kind of like building hydration into into your into your daily habits. And then when it comes to working out, I mean, it's, there are different answers for different people. If I were the king of the universe, um, I would say that everybody would be doing some type of strength training workout three days a week, but there are some people who genuinely do not like the gym or, or for whom it's genuinely difficult to get to the gym just by geography. Like the closest one is like 25 minutes away then I would think, okay, if not strength training, some sort of weight-bearing exercise. And that, that looks different for different people. Some people love yoga. some For some people, it's Pilates. But some sort of progressively overloaded weight-bearing exercise. Um, Tell us what th- that
1: means, progressively overloaded.
2: Progressively overloaded just goes back to the point that I was making earlier about um, lifting more next week than you did this week. And so that progressive overload is what prompts the, your body to actually change and grow more tissue. Um, and if
1: you don't have access to like a gym or you're scared of that, it might be doing uh, like more pushups next week than you were this week. Would that be right. a progressive overload? Okay.
2: Yeah. And that, so that would, in, in that case you you would be changing what in like fitness circles we would call like the volume. So you would, that would be the, um, that would be the, um, that would be the thing that you would switch to make it more difficult on you is like, you know, this week was 10 pushups. Next week it's 15 pushups. Now eventually you're going to run out of like numbers of pushups that you can do. And then you're going to need, you're going to have to decide like, you know, whether it's time to, um, invest in some weights and that can be, I mean, honestly there's, um, you can get these adjustable dumbbells for like I think less than $300, um, where it's like two and a half pounds up to 52 and a half pounds. And um, if you don't want to go to the gym, you get a, a a pair of those. And that will last a lot of people a very long time. Um, you know, you can do with something called a goblet squat where you're holding the dumbbell. And you can do squats with like the 50-pound dumbbell. Um, I think the, the most important thing I would say is if you – so you hate the gym – Um, maybe you don't have exercise equipment at home. The one thing I would say is everybody, and that means everybody needs to learn how to squat. Um, doesn't have to be a barbell squat. Doesn't have to be like a gym type thing, but you need to learn how to squat. And that's a test that everybody listening to this can do is can you do like a full range of motion squat where your hips drop lower than your knees? If you can't, then you know you have some mobility issues and you need to to work on those. Um, you know, there's there's some debate, like, in fitness circles, like, you know, some people say, like, oh, a squat isn't a squat unless you go, like, ass to grass, unless your <laughs> butt drops all the way down. And some people are like, no, that's stupid. Like, you don't have to. So within your own anatomy and, and you know, mobility in your own range of motion, you everybody needs to learn how to do a squat properly. And there's like a ton of videos out there on YouTube. Um, where and you we'll can, be sure
1: to link to one in our show notes.
2: Yeah, that, that would be, that'd be cool. Um, where you can, where you can learn how to, how to squat. That, that's the most important thing you can do because it's, it's something that every single person does every single day. And it's kind of like the foundation of all athletic and, you know, just kind of like functional movement. So Learn how to squat, and then and do a
1: hundred of those a day, and you'll look like Beyonce.
0: (laughs) Like I, um, I kind of out of this habit. Now that you bring it up, I should probably do it again. Squat while you brush your teeth.
1: I'm not that talented, Emily.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you can (laughs) squat while you brush your teeth.
1: You know, so like toothpaste I, would be all over my bathroom <laughs> if I was trying to I, squat and brush my teeth at the same time.
2: The one thing I would say, I'm not actually a huge fan of that because I think there is something to be said for actually carving out intentional space to treat your body well and be, you know, kind of like be with your body. Um, and
1: I'll be with my body. <laughs> always goes there i, <laughs> I mean, can't help listen i can't help sorry
2: relaxation techniques before bed it's you know it's helpful i mean
1: bedtime ritual i'm there
2: <laughs> um
1: you n- never mind keep 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 going jason i'm sorry
2: <laughs> that's that's okay um i don't even know where i was now <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we were uh, yeah. talking
1: about squatting and carving yes. out intentional time and space to be with your body.
2: Yeah. Okay. So let's let us let us say that um so we kind of dealt with people who can't go to the gym or don't want to go to the gym or that let's say you do you are interested in the gym. Um in turn like a lot of it's intimidating people don't know what to do in the gym. And so the basic framework that I use with brand new people is is do five to six movement patterns. And those are, number one, squat. And so let's say you're doing two to three full body workouts a week. These are the movements that you should do in every in every workout. Number one is squat. And do that first because it's the most physically taxing. The next four would be pushing and pulling um, horizontally. A horizontal push would be a chest press, um, either with dumbbells or a barbell or a push-up. And then the horizontal row is just pulling in the exact opposite direction. You can do that with cables. You can do it with a dumbbell with like a a bent row. And then pushing and pulling vertically, which would be like an overhead press with dumbbells or a barbell. Um, And then the pulling vertically would be like a pull-up or a lat pull-down or a cable pull-down. If you're doing those five movements, then you are getting a full-body workout. Every major muscle group of your body will have been touched and if you do that again progressively overloaded you will get stronger the sixth movement that you can add in there that can be more advanced for people with limited mobility is a hinge movement and a hinge just means kind of flexing and extending at the hips and that would be something like a deadlift it doesn't have to be a huge heavy you know chad wesley smith deadlift it could be just like picking up a dumbbell from the ground and then putting it back down on the ground deadlifts are actually really important too but it's they can be, they can be hard for people to learn. But again, like if you're interested in investing the time to go back to a a word you use, Kathleen, um, YouTube is, it's all there. There's like really great coaches out there who put really great content out. Um, and you can, YouTube is a great, is a great learning factory. Um, and the other thing you can do, go ahead.
1: Oh, I was just going to ask about cardio
2: cardio. It's a great great question. Um
1: question? <laughs> I'm like, let's talk about cardio. Let's cardio.
2: Just it's a word.
1: <laughs> it's a I'm word.
2: into a question. <laughs> Apples is a word. Um, so cardio. Cardio. Uh cardio can take many different forms. The best form of cardio that anyone can do is to go on a walk, preferably outside, preferably with somebody they love or they're trying to love or something like that. Um just getting outside and walking. Now, people people listening may think like, "Well, what what about like don't I have to run or don't I have to do the elliptical?" Um, like I said, the best form of cardio you can do is to take a walk outside. If you're trying to work on your conditioning, so you're trying to work on basically the strength and efficiency of your heart, you can accomplish a lot of that through strength training. So, doing things like Supersets, like do your set of squats to go back to that framework that I gave. You do, you did ten squats. Right, right after that, you're going to do ten overhead presses. If you do that, your heart rate is going to go up, your conditioning level will go up, and you, there's no need to spend like an hour on the treadmill. Now, that's not to say that running is, you know, th- th- there's this is one of those debates in the fitness world. Like, you know, running is bad. Running's not bad. Like, you, you know, if you want to run be or you know run you know find out how to do it well if you want to sign up for a 5k or a 10k then do it but don't confuse you'll see this a lot like if you read about fitness and kind of like mainstream news sites they conflate exercise with running running is a form of exercise but it's by no means the only way that one can exercise like I know that Kathleen I know you are into boxing when you tell me your heart rate doesn't get up <laughs> in boxing, and I would say that you're lying, right? Well,
1: and that's where actually so selfishly kind of getting to talk to you about this. I started boxing five days a week, and I lost my ass. So then I was like, oh, I need to get back in the gym and lift some weights. And I used to be kind of anti-cardio because the deal is, is that your heart is an important muscle, but it's just one muscle. It's not the only one that you should be working out. And so strength training is what you know, it's what makes you look good naked, honestly. But boxing for me helped me shed, um, well, I was going to say shed some fat, but I don't know that that's the case. It's what helped get my muscles exposed. So anyway, that's a whole different thing. And boxing is kind of a high intensity interval training kind of cardio. Um, So it's kind of like, it feels like sprints is what it feels like. So anyway, it's intense. And then I started feeling bad that i Wasn't lifting as much, and so now I'm kind of confused because I'm boxing three days a week, I'm lifting two days a week. I'm like, Oh, am I doing it right?
2: I don't know. There's no, I mean, if you're boxing and you're lifting, I mean, do you like what you're doing?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess for me, I have some aesthetic goals and I have some performance goals. I'm worried that. My boxing is counteracting, like that I'm burning off the muscle that I'm trying to build. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm trying to be really efficient, but I am also enjoying what I'm doing, and I feel like I look good, and it's all good. It's all good. I just start to kind of nerd out on it a little bit.
2: I mean, I, I think it all starts with what the goal is. So let's say if your goal Six-pack. Six-pack. Okay. Well, I mean, six-pack you can achieve that through boxing and a combination of lifting. But if you want an ass, then yeah, like, you know, then lifting is kind of your thing. But like, you know, you, you can, this goes back to the idea of like shaming and like, you know, if you're doing what you like to do and, and you're happy with the results, then there's no right or wrong when it comes to that, you know, like people, people say like, I really love yoga. And it's like, well then do yoga. (laughs) Like there's no right or wrong. As long as you're doing weight bearing exercise. um, And as long as you're doing something that helps you stay in good condition and you're happy with your body and you're happy with the results and you're eating well, then, then that's it. Like there's no right or wrong when it comes to that. And I, I mean, I should say like, I am not dogmatic at all when it comes to fitness. So like, you know i know pilates people i know yoga people i know crossfit people i know powerlifting people like there is something to, to be learned from all of these different types of fitness and uh, the beautiful thing about it is is there is usually something for everyone and that's not to say that somebody who says well i just like i just like to get on the elliptical and it's like well okay you're a woman in your 60s you know osteoporosis is a concern like you really need to be doing some sort of weight bearing exercise Um, so you, but aside from that, like there's just, there's a a lot of different ways of approaching fitness and there's no, in general, there's no like right or wrong way of approaching it. As long as you're happy with the results.
1: Amen. And I think that that's like, I, I know I keep looping it back to, to the creative entrepreneur mindset, but again, it's something I've been thinking about a lot and it's something that Emily and I have really discovered doing this podcast and getting to talk to so many experts, there are so many different ways of going about business and there's no right or wrong way to run your business. You just got to try different things. And I'm constantly trying different things whenever it comes to fitness. And it's whenever I start reading the stuff that is like real dogmatic and it's working for those people and it's worked for them. And I'm, I'm glad that they're writing the stuff that's out there and they're speaking from a point of view and from like a place of confidence that makes me feel like, that is the right way to be doing things. But, um, but there isn't a right or wrong way. And I think it's whenever I kind of fall down that trap of trying to figure out the sure answer yeah, <laughs> that I start yeah. to wonder if I'm doing the right or wrong thing.
2: The two most important questions I think one can ask in fitness are, how do I feel and why am I doing that? How do I feel tells me like if there's a problem like if i if i if I'm feeling lethargic or tired or achy, then I need to address that. Um, why am I doing that gets gets you back to like setting a framework so if someone's goal is to pack on a bunch of muscle um, but they're doing like an hour of cardio five days a week, then they are working against themselves. If someone's goal is to be shredded, but they are you know lifting in a way that doesn't help get them to shred it like then they're working against themselves and so so the question why am i doing this can always help keep the eyes on the prize of like what you're actually trying to accomplish um and it it kind of eliminates going back to this idea of shame it eliminates all that other noise like okay why am i doing this okay this is my goal well then this is what i need to do um and i i fall into that myself like i I am, I'm still kind of like working through the idea that like, if you go on YouTube now, you can find like a bunch of like 600 pound deadlifters and I am not a 600 pound deadlifter. And I feel like those people, you know, it's the, it's the whole like imposter syndrome that, you know, people have been talking about. And I feel like, well, why would anybody listen to me? I'm not that strong. Like I'm not, you know, I don't look like that or I'm not, you know, I don't look like The Rock or whatever. Um, but it—I um, don't even know why I started talking. about I was about that. to say,
1: do you want to look like The Rock?
2: <laughs> no, I no, not really. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, although The Rock does look pretty damn good. Like I, if, <laughs> I don't know that I would want to eat the way I would need to eat to look like that. Like I—I I imagine like he has to put in some like serious calories. Um, and to be that big, you have to eat like it's your job. And, uh, I mean,
1: you're essentially like a horse at that time. Just <laughs> right. like you're just eating all day and working.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and sleeping. Um, I don't, and sleeping. Yeah. I don't have that in me. I like Manhattan's too much and apple pie. <laughs> 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 so, um, yeah, I, I keep forgetting what the question is. I get down these rabbit holes, these like Jason rabbit holes. And,
1: uh, I I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Where can our listeners find more about you and find your blog and all of that? Where are you online
2: and offline?
1: I suppose for our, (laughs) for our Dayton listeners.
2: Yeah. So if you're local to Dayton, um, you can see me and I mean, you know, it's, it's on the web, so it's, you don't have to be local to Dayton, but I, I write a weekly column in, um, in what, uh, website called Dayton most Metro. Um, so you can find me there. Um, you can go to, uh, present You can find me there. I'm on Twitter at present Instagram at present Um, and I love to hear from people. Like I, I love to answer questions. Um, I mean, the idea of kind of like giving away knowledge for free is something that I've totally stolen from the two of you. Um, and I do that, I do that all the time. Um,
0: you have a really great newsletter on your website that, um, you share some really great content on.
2: Yeah. That, so the newsletter, you can sign up for that there at, at present Um, so there's lots of, lots of ways to find me. <laughs>
1: All right. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been really cool getting to talk to you about this and it's a topic that I've been thinking about a lot and I know that Emily has loved working with you. So thanks for joining
2: us. Thank you so much for having me. And if I could wax both of your cars briefly and just say that like you really, you really both have had, uh, outsized impacts on, um, the way, um, present tense fitness has evolved. And and really, I mean, I, Susan, my wife is the person who kind of like discovered you, um, and then shared your wisdom with me. So, um, thank you for, you know, everything you've done and continue to do. It's been, uh, and this has been like a real, like almost like a weird kind of thing, like where you know people online and then you're talking to them, you know? (laughs) Um, so it's been really cool. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you for listening to Being Boss. Find show notes for this episode at lovebeingboss.com. Listen to past episodes and subscribe to new episodes on our website, on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher.
0: Did you like this episode? Head on over to our Facebook group by searching Being Boss on Facebook and join in on the conversation with other bosses or share it with a friend. Do the work, be boss, and we'll see you next week.
1: are all speechless. <laughs> I
0: know. I know. Kathleen has her infatuated face on. I see it. <laughs> well, so I want to... <laughs>